0: Introducing Minor Wisdom, Quintet! One, two, as kiddo-do-do,
1: Minor Wisdom!
0: Another week down, closer to being out of school for winter break, and this week, as promised, A couple of weeks ago, the interview I originally had with Donnie Covington from Richardson High School up in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Donnie is the founder of the Facebook page for Technical Theater Educators. I highly recommend you guys get on that page. There is a ton of information, a lot of resources shared on there, not just by Donnie, but other people around the world. Literally 5,000 plus people are on that page. It's a great page for... Educators are for really anybody that's uh, interested in learning more about technical theater because there's so much shared. There are a couple of people that are a little pretentious, but that's not my place to uh, police. That's Donnie. Donnie can take care of that. But this is a getting to know Donnie, and I did this interview with him at Richardson High School months ago, uh, TETA week, uh, but it's just now dropping because he had... Mentioned right when we were done, pretty much as I'm literally walking out the door. Hey, I forgot to mention the Facebook page, and we had just talked for over an hour. And so uh, we did a little bit of a follow-up. So I held on to this interview until now. I did the follow-up a couple of episode, or the, the follow-up yet the first episode a couple of episodes ago uh, about that Facebook page. And I apologize if you're hearing something weird in the back. My dog has got a little bit of an itch and can't get it taken care of, so... If you're hearing that, I apologize. Anyway, uh, I do want to have spend a little bit of a time on one gripe, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble, and I don't want Philip Taylor coming after me because he's the police of my podcast. But I've I've got to say something about the way that administration is set up these days. Maybe it's just the state of Texas. I don't know. Uh, but as as a masters of education with a with a certification and administration I hope that one day maybe I go over to the dark side and become an administrator not anytime soon I'm, I'm not gonna do that anytime soon but one day it could be on the in the books a chapter of my life and when that happens I'd love I would love to propose the idea assuming I'm assuming that it's already been proposed and maybe there's something I don't know that somebody smarter than myself can tell myself Austin Powers reference. Anyway, uh, it would be wonderful if there was a set of administrators that focused on curriculum and were able to go in and out of classrooms and see the life of a classroom because the a day in the life of a classroom is not the life. A day in the life of a human is not the life. And it's unfortunate that administrators have to grade teachers, especially fine arts teachers, based on one snapshot of a moment. And when we are ultimately graded upon or graded on our entire year, maybe just a a production, a full production, maybe our one-act play is our grade, but there's a process to it. And if an administrator is walking into our classroom to see just 45, 50, 55 minutes of that process and assuming they know from that experience how our teaching style is you know or determine how our teaching style is then i feel that's doing a disservice to us theater teachers band directors anybody that has a final product that they are trying to produce through a class that could take four six eight weeks whatever it might be but anybody that has a final product shouldn't be graded based on that one picture one snapshot I would love for there to be an administration team on a campus that is solely responsible for that side of uh, the job. Us theater teachers, as we know, we manage a theater, we manage a classroom, we manage curriculum, we manage, maybe some of us are the, you know, fine arts department chairs, the heads of our department. There's so much that is on our plate when all of these things in the real world are split up into individual salaried jobs. Yet, as an educator, we are expected to do all of them and then graded by just seeing that one little snapshot. And I'm not the best teacher in the world. I'll be the first one to tell you that. My students would be the second. But I, I don't want my career to be based off of the literal two times a year i'm seen by somebody outside of my classroom and if i now have been teaching 10 years i've had an administrator in my room with the purpose of grading me maybe a little less than two dozen times and i teach 180 days out of the year so you can do the math so I feel like there should be a curriculum team and then also be a behavior team. I've got an amazing, probably the best associate principal in the state of Texas, works at my school. People adore him, follow him, would do anything for this man. But he, and and he's a curriculum, he does curriculum, don't get me wrong, but he's a disciplined guy. He's He's the guy that students... Go to uh, or have to go to when there's a discipline issue or when there's a discipline issue and he's able to sort of put that fire out because he knows how to talk to students. But he's not the curriculum guy. He's not doing this job because he's so good at teaching math, English, whatever he taught in the past. He's doing this because of his relationship with students and his desire to make students better through repairing their behavior and disciplining through life skills, that's his specialty. But he does that with all humans, from 82-year-old chemistry teachers to 22-year-old fresh-out-of-college math teachers. And that is a specific role and a need and a necessity. So why not allow a team of administrators to be over curriculum and a team of administrators to be over discipline? You wouldn't have a lighting designer walk into a theater And design the costumes now could they if they're a professional yes but that's not what you want them to do that's not putting them in their best situation where they can succeed and as an educator we are trying all the time to put our students in places that they can succeed that might not be the place we think we want to go but it's the place that we know they need to go therefore why not reconfigure how this is done. And maybe it's done this way in, in some places. Maybe it's done in the private sector. Maybe it's or in private, sector, private school. Maybe it's done in Colorado or Canada or the Scandinavian countries where education is thriving. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. I hope I didn't offend anyone. I hope I don't uh, lose a job because of my opinion on my own podcast. But every once in a while, I feel like it needs to be said. And I don't want my podcast to be a complaint cast therefore let's lighten things up move on to this week's interview and this week's groaner joke make sure you like the podcast on itunes spotify wherever you listen have a great rest of your week folks how does moses make his tea he brews it.
1: All right, so I'm Donnie Covington. Uh, I'm the director for the technical theater magnet here at Richardson High School. Uh, this is my sixth year teaching here at Richardson, my seventh year teaching in general. Um, I, I got my, I, I was kind of, a, I came late to, to theater um, in, in, I guess, in, form, in terms of formal training. I didn't actually start taking theater classes till college. Okay. Um, part of that was because the school that I went to before, a very small school, didn't have a theater program. So we would do... In Texas? A, yeah, it was just in yeah. Texas. It was in DeSoto. A little okay. private school that my mom taught at me and my brother and sister all went there. Um, but no, like we're talking like the whole school was like 200 kids. Like right. my class was the same 15 kids from third grade through <laughs> junior year of of, um, of high school when I stopped going to high school and spent my senior year just doing dual credit courses at UTA and, sure. and working. Uh, uh, so, yeah, my school didn't have a theater program. We had a music teacher who would put on a like a quote-unquote musical through music class. Sure. But that was kind of my exposure. I liked it, though, and I knew that I wanted to do more of it. Um, and I grew up going to Shakespeare in the Park um, with my family. They'd take us to Dallas Theater Center. We'd see shows when they were in the old warehouse yeah. space and then the Kalita Humphreys. Um, and, but in college, I, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew that much like I since like I was 12 I had known I'd wanted to be a teacher and I can still vividly remember like the moment when I like realized it and like walked into the kitchen in our house and announced to my parents <laughs> uh, much to their chagrin because they are both teachers and their response was well who's gonna support us in our old age yeah <laughs> but luckily my younger brother became an engineer sure so there you go <laughs> uh, the uh, so I knew going into college I knew, but I wanted to be a history teacher. That was my my thing. I'm still fascinated by anthropology and, and <coughs> history, and the and especially like ancient sort of development of civilizations. Um, anyway, uh, so I went to college for that. At least that was my intention, and then discovered halfway through my freshman semester that the school I had gone to, which was University of Dallas in Irving, not UTD, right, University yeah, of yeah. Dallas, the little the Catholic mm-hmm. school there in Irving. Um, didn't really have an anthropology program and so I had applied to the school, I had right. gotten accepted to the school, I had enrolled in the school and yeah. never, it never occurred to me because of the sort of the nature of that school, it had never occurred to me that they might not have sure. what I hoped to study, but by that point I had, and I, I had known I wanted to do some theater in college, take some classes, but I had no intention of majoring in it and so after that conversation with my advisor where he was like, look, we don't really have what you're looking for, here's your options are change your major or Leave. Here's some other schools, and he was and to his credit, he said like this school has a really good anthropology yeah. program. This school has a really like he gave me a, a list of options, and um, and so I said all right, I'm gonna think about it. And at that point, I had gotten by that point in the, the semester, I'd I'd gotten cast in a little in one of the the senior thesis shows, one of their senior projects. Um, I'd started to get to know the people in the theater department, right. and I kind of realized I was like you know I can do basically the same thing. I can have the same effect on people doing theater that I know I enjoy as I can in a classroom being a teacher. And so I sure. sort of, at that in that moment, my priorities sort of shifted to this is going to be, this is it, this is my, my course. Uh, and so I changed majors, threw myself into the theater program, full blast, um, and very quickly realized that it wasn't, because again, I'm coming with no formal background. Right. And so I didn't really understand that technical theater was a thing, but I loved working with my hands. My grandfather and my dad had built multiple additions to our house growing up. So I'd been around, you know, yeah. do-it-yourself construction my whole life. I loved it. Um, discovered that this was a thing. I discovered I could do work-study. Like what, like yeah. work-study in the theater? I can make money doing this stuff? <laughs> like, and and then directing, and that was the thing. Like by my senior year, I really had kind of settled in and like the things I love are technical theater and directing, kind of all the... Sure. Creating the world, creating the the thing. And so, came out of college, um, worked for... It was about two... Two and a half years doing just freelance stuff here in Dallas. Worked with pretty much all the major and minor theater companies in Dallas doing technical work. I directed some shows. I did a lot of... Uh, prop work for companies um, and then i joined a theater company that i ended up staying with for about eight years Um, the it was nouveau 47 was the company originally and then we sort of we morphed into the margo jones partnership which we we were in control of the margo jones theater in fair park the the original space um, and ran that for for about eight years Uh, but yeah along the way um the freelance it was kind of a combination of things kind of a perfect storm of things got married learned that we were having our first kid bought a house all yeah. like in a six-month period and um, and at the time I was working with Freeman Audiovisual in their scenic department building corporate scenery um, as my day job and I was like you know and it, it was kind of a, one of those things of like this is I need more stability it's time to it's yeah. time to get the stability. The jobs not going the direction in terms of advance, but the jobs not going the direction that I I was expecting it to, and so I uh, finally sort of uh, gave in to the impulse that had always been there yeah. and made the move back to the classroom. And I'm so glad that I did. Like this is exactly where I want to be. So uh,
0: <clears throat> quite a few things conjured up in my brain one we share the history love I'm, I got my, my minors in history yeah. it's clearly not in English since I just said I got my um, yeah. but uh, so but I was a war history guy mm-hmm. I, I wanted to take every class that had to do with war mm-hmm. and the most interesting class that I took did you end up doing history at, at University of Dallas. Like, so that
1: for that first semester, I was I okay. was in a. I but was, I mean, they had history classes. Yeah.
0: Just wasn't in, an anthropology my uh, right. major. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 They just I okay. couldn't. They didn't have classes in anthropology.
1: Like their there was, theirs was very much Western civilization. So, okay. Like, from the Greeks yeah, yeah. on. Uh, but like I grew up so. I grew up. We my family i grew up with my family doing reenacting okay so we did french and indian war was okay. the main one that we did uh, i did one of my for a little best while.
0: students right now and, and i know he listens to this okay. is a world war one and two although was it yesterday or two days ago he clear. He, he made sure to say i'll do i'll reenact any war oh,
1: okay yeah <laughs> you know. yeah yeah so like so. so i grew up doing French and indian <clears throat> revolutionary war okay. uh civil war um so that was that really was part of what, and then my dad's a history teacher, right. so he was like our bedtime stories, like most kids got yeah. like Little Bunny, whatever. <clears throat> our bedtime stories were like, here's an oral telling of the Battle of Midway. <laughs> here's you know, here's how the War of 1812 began and ended. Like that, those were the stories I grew up with. That's on. funny. Um, so yeah, very yeah, very similar. Yeah, thing,
0: very similar. Uh, we're or I'm a huge wrestling fan, so my daughter gets. A similar treatment, but not with war stories, but with wrestling. Here, let me tell you about when Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant the first time, and how how crazy that was. Anyway, but that uh, anyway, we don't need to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> it was <a> great moment. <laughs> yeah, great moment. But um, so you uh, were you raised? Uh, was the private school a Catholic private school?
1: No, and I, I'm not Catholic myself. Okay. No, it was but you, a, but University of Dallas is, is a Catholic okay. school. Yeah, they're they're okay. Catholic uh, private Catholic. School <clears throat> Um, and I part of why I picked them was because of their it had really had nothing to do other than like I knew I wanted to do history, but it wasn't it was the school it really it was the school itself. It was sort of the, the campus right. characteristics. Yeah. Um, and then they have this Rome program where you they own, they have a campus. You can go away, yeah. 20 20 kilometers south of Rome, and basically you're almost required to go your sophomore year, either in the fall or the spring. And so I spent a semester. It's like a
0: birthright for that campus kind of thing? Yeah, basically, yeah. (laughs) Everybody
1: goes, most people go. I mean, they can't send everybody, but most people spend a semester over in Rome, and that was something that really appealed to me. That's kind of neat. It was great. It was a fantastic experience. Yeah.
0: Um, So what, uh, what would you say as far as personally, was the kind of the biggest challenge for you not having a background in theater to just diving in head first what was kind of like were you made fun of in college theater as like you don't know what upstage and downstage is like you know were there were there those kind of minor challenges or were there just
1: I think it was de- it was more of the big challenges um, so I had had enough like with the little plays that we would do sure. at school and going to see theater and like i was i loved theater like right. i loved watching <laughs> it i loved um the idea of it um and so i think i had picked up i don't remember overtly remember too many um of those sorts of moments of sort of like yeah. the basic stuff but then it was when i took my first acting class was when i was like wow there's a like a so world. we would sit and I remember i <laughs> Like I had, I kept, we had our acting journal that we kept and the first like 20 pages is me going like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, I, we're pretending to hold an apple? Like what's the point of this? I wanna, give me a scene. Yeah. And, like it was me sort of like railing against this sort of, what I felt was this sort of pointless, these pointless exercises. And then it's interesting to kind of watch as, as we go and we start to get into Stanislavski and, and like that realizing like, oh, there's a method to, like there's, yeah. there's an art to this and a, almost a science to, to some of this um so for me it was that hurt like stuff that i would have gotten all that foundational stuff that i would have gotten had i studied had i yeah. had a theater program in high school um i was sort of playing catch up um in college and um and i don't i don't know really like i ended up and i'm not trying to like i'm not tooting any horn right now but like I ended up getting cast in a lot of fairly big roles. Sure. Part of it was a very small department. Right. so the, the pool was pretty small. Um, but I think for whatever reason I was I'm just one of those like those, I'm not saying I'm naturally talented. I'm not an sure, actor but I act, but like for the for that group of people yeah. I was one of the better ones. Sure. Um so I played Richard III not the third. Nothing wrong played, with that. Yeah. yeah. But so but it was interesting because like coming from no formal training right. at that point it was just something that felt natural. Like, it just felt right a lot of the time. It was just, there was that getting used to the the sort of the the minutia that now makes sense. Now it's second nature, through line. And, like, I remember sitting in directing class. That was, I think, the biggest shock for me, was when we started talking about the act of directing a show and, like, the structure of a show. And it's not just a series of interesting or funny moments. It's, like, there's a through line. There's the spine like, the first time the director said the spine of the play, like, I just... My eyes glazed over, I was like, what?
0: (laughs) Do you think that your experience would have been different if you had come from big city to University of Dallas? uh, Or was it kind of, did you already kind of feel comfortable? Because that's not a huge school as well. So your community that you grew up in was Mm -hmm. small and you kind of already knew this kind of small feeling. I
1: think that, yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I think that transition was good. I also hated high school. Sure. I was one of those kids that despised <laughs> uh, high I, yeah. and it was it was. I loved the schooling aspect yep. of it. Uh, I hated my classmates with oh, passion because okay. I also like. I was in a class like it was a class of like eighteen they, people. They're all
0: big fans of this podcast, so oh, just great. be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. going to say yeah.
1: everything. I'm, I'm calling y'all out. <laughs> I'm going to start at the top of the alphabet. Um, they're only fifteen, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, they uh, like I, I just despised all of them. And it was because i had spent i'd spent the last 12 years of my life with the same sure r- like it <laughs> fluctuated people would come and go but the same core of like 12 people and like we were just all sick of it. i mean it was family at that point like yeah we'd been around, oh yeah we'd taken you literally get- taken every single class together every day for 12 years yeah and so we were all just done with, and i was done with them i was done with the high school pettiness like i was so ready for like because in my mind college was like like, erudite people sitting around and discussing yeah. philosophy. And, yeah, that's, and the class that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. Exa- sure. yeah, 100%. Yeah. There's no there's no <laughs> writing of any sort. Um, and so I was so ready to get to college. And it's yeah. part of why I sort of did my sort of dropout, sort of gap year, senior right. year thing, which ultimately <coughs> I'm really glad I did because I think that helped with the transition too because I wasn't doing yeah. a hard transition from high school to college. I sort of got this. Slide as I yeah. put it, as I tell my students, I oozed into college. Um, That's gross, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and but there I are lots of jokes oh, there that yeah, I'm just not yeah. going to explore because well,
0: yeah, there was a lot of <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay, we're moving Discharge. on. Uh, <laughs> so I like I went to a performing arts high school. Uh-huh. So my experience mm-hmm. with high school uh, small class, not that small, but mm-hmm. but three hours a day with the same twenty to twenty-five people you know every day um, we didn't have homecoming mm-hmm. our only sport that we had that our school competed with was swimming and diving okay. so we didn't have any of those things mm-hmm. i'm assuming you didn't have a lot of that either you yeah. didn't ever fo- you didn't feel a football team. team right we
1: had i played soccer for 6 years right you can do that kind of stuff it's a little cheaper I it's played baseball. You know, like yeah. we had baseball and we had a basketball team okay
0: like, um, but when you did you have homecoming did you have that kind of stuff did you have the traditional we'd have, things?
1: A, we'd have a dance okay in the but it was because the schools it was like everybody it was just a school-wide dance so when you happened.
0: come to a school like richardson is that kind of stuff a shock to you Probably. a little bit just,
1: well i mean i i was aware of it because i had yeah, all you knew of my it, friend, it had, because i mean I we're hated, in texas because i hated all the people <laughs> yeah because i hated all the people that i was you went in away school with, my friends were all friends that one of basically i had one friend that had gone to the school had left in like the fifth grade, but we had stayed friends right. and then he had gone off to a Publix to Midlothian high school. Yeah. And I had sort of, and that's a large th- followed him. Yeah. And then as a result that became my friend group, like sure. him, he was the entry point and like Midlothian, all the Midlothian people. Um, and so I spent all my time hanging out with these, uh, what most people would be, would consider, you know, rednecks. And so our right. weekends were spent driving four wheelers off of cliffs and yeah. cow tipping and, and stuff like that. Um, and you so survived. that was sort of like my outlet. Yeah. Like yeah. that was my, that was my outlet. And so I, as a result, I was aware, I sort of was clued into the, the real and big games yeah, and we would the, the
0: real high school world. And right. So
1: I sort of got it by proxy. Yeah. Um, even it was but yeah, coming here to the big high school. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was definitely like just the sheer, I think I wasn't prepared for the sheer number of things that the kids have right. available to right. them. It's just it's and especially us being a magnet school we have like 12 different magnets within here, everything from automotive to culinary to health science. Like we have like just this, just the range of stuff that's available to kids in a, in a mid to large size high school. These days is impressive, It's really impressive.
0: Um, your time in high school, as far as not having that theater background, does that, do you teach theater one kids? No, no. 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 Have you ever? No, I do. What is tech one a freshman course? Yes, so, so I teach Tech One. So I, I got to get to my point, man. Okay, I got. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. but, I, but I mean, like, does that does you not having a background give you more patience with? So at my school, you know, we mm-hmm. Theater One is a prereq. You can't mm-hmm. be in Tech One until you take okay. Theater One. That's just gotcha. how I've set it up. Gotcha. Uh, I think there are two other schools in my district that do the same. Mm-hmm. It's not a district thing. It's just personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I try to have patience with my Theater One mm-hmm. kids, but again I went to a performing arts high school where day number two you you know you were reading uh, shirtlift's book you know sure. it's like so right. um, it, it's very hard for me to have patience with theater one kids mm-hmm. which is why I've dwindled down the number of theater one classes I have but do you find yourself having more patience yes. with those beginners because yeah. you didn't have that background one,
1: specifically in tech because uh, <coughs> And I noticed this like interacting with some of the other technical directors in the district who went through programs in their high schools where they had tech. And so they learned Mm -hmm. a lot of the foundational stuff early. Um, I remember, like, I can vividly remember, like, the first time I actually used a table saw Mm -hmm. was in college. (laughs) I had never come close to one. And the technical director asked me to go cut a piece of wood, and I didn't want to look dumb. And I watched other people do it. And so I proceeded to attempt to freehand <laughs> I, I think I actually like completely removed the fence from the saw <laughs> yeah. and attempted to freehand a piece of 3 quarter inch plywood yeah. and the saw made terrible noises yeah. and he came running in and and disconnected it and and I picked up a lot of the Oh, it's a motion sense, yeah, motion sense. I was <laughs> like, "Man, yeah. it's just like
0: my school, the power just goes <laughs> just out." out. <laughs> um,
1: and I, I have to credit him. His name's Tr- Tristan Decker. He teaches now over at um, TWU. Um, he's the, or he's the, the technical director there. Um, but I think I got a lot of my sort of fa- like, formative, mm-hmm. how I interact with the students from him. He's always very calm. He never got angry. He right. never got... Um, he always, like, failure was an expectation, but in a sense of like, okay, so that went wrong. Yeah, we fix it. I'm not, you know, I don't care why it happened. I don't care who did it. What I care is that we we move forward and we fix it. And so having that really, to me, it's still very recent. Like there's some stuff where I don't remember learning it, right? Like learning how to use a tape measure was something that for me now is something that has sort of where now when a kid doesn't understand how to do it, I do have that kind of, that initial moment of like, how do you not, or like fractions, like just doing fractions in your head. I don't remember learning that anymore. So now it's like, I have this, oh, well, everybody must know how to do it. And I have to catch myself and go, okay, let's wind this back all the way, like rip it down to the core foundational stuff. um, Because and kind of, yeah, put myself back in their place, but it's easier with, especially with like the, some of the tools and stuff of like, because I remember it, it's, it's still a, a, not a recent memory, but a distinct memory where I can distinctly remember the first time I used an impact driver. Sure. Like the, the, the mistakes I made, how I made those mistakes, how I corrected those mistakes, and it helps me sort of go, okay, I see what you're doing wrong. Right. I can I can hear, and I think most tech directors can talk to the like can like you can hear someone doing something wrong from the other side oh, of the yeah. shop, and you know exactly what they're doing yep. wrong, and you can usually just shout one instruction to them: push harder, yep. turn it to the left, like angle. back off, yeah, with, yeah, angle, it. yeah. Um, because we've done it so much, yeah, and it's become ingrained.
0: I do think though, and I tell my students this all the time: I do think God put me on this earth to be able to unscrew the hardest Mm -hmm. screw like I I don't think I have a purpose beyond that Uh, because like I will um, like I fashion myself a pretty decent carpenter but when I have a student when we're striking a set and I'm not a nail guy we only use screws and you know uh, we don't have pneumatics in my school or anything so we can't we don't really even have that unless we're sitting there like Jesus with a hammer and a nail we don't really have the pneumatic option so we Wood screws, uh, deck screws, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But um, I'll have a kid just completely strip the heck out of something, and I'll go over and just, <laughs> just out. quick, yeah, real I, fast. And they are, it's are like just... It's like magic. Like, they think you're a magician. Oh, they, it's amazing. Because, it. like, They're, four
1: of them will, sat, will have sat there for yeah. half an hour, yeah. and then you just come over, and you're like, Whoa. Yeah. And, and, and like, it. there's always the one kid who's like, how does he do it? And the other one's like, he's been doing it forever. They're yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: well, it, yeah, it's funny. It, you know, you tell them... And, and we're going off on like personal tangents here but just between you and I but uh, I will tell a kid like you you got to put some power like you can't just hold the drill right. all sloppy you, lean into uh, it, you yeah. have to like put and then you have kids that are like I am leaning no you're not doing anything uh-huh. like your your elbows not locked there's nothing yeah. you know anyway uh, the, the, you know yeah. little soapbox moment there, yeah. I, um, wish
1: there was, I wonder like if we could get you know what we need what the tech world needs it needs a pressure plate.
0: Do I need to trade do I need to trademark this? Yeah, right this moment <laughs> right now this is going to come out of this podcast. <laughs> okay. So we need a
1: pressure plate. Yeah. Like in, oh, I see what in Rocky yeah. 4 yeah. or whatever where he, Drago they punch yeah, punching the, it, So we yeah. need a pressure plate that they can practice pushing a drill against yeah. and it'll turn green when you're using the <clears> Or it's just
0: the the force. idea of a strong man at a carnival, just mm-hmm. that idea, just how much force are you giving? Yeah. It? Exactly, uh, yeah.
1: Because I think it's, it's, and again, this I'm going to have to cut that out of the, pocket. Sure, the, of the so, that can, <laughs> so that we can, yeah, patent that for later. Um, but that again, that idea. gets back to that. Like you and I, I don't remember I don't distinctly remember the first time I actually felt what that was like. Mm-hmm. Cause there, there is a feeling yeah. to pushing hard enough on a drill that it's actually locked in, in. the right angle. And that first and time the, that, yeah. the first time that screw just sinks in the whole yeah. way, it doesn't skip. Yeah. There's not the loud noises. Um, so for you and I, that's second nature. Right. Like that's just, our bodies do it naturally. These kids are literally doing it for the first time. Yeah, sure. And they don't, like just the word push harder doesn't mean anything right. to them. Uh, and so I try to, like really my philosophy is to try and guide like it. Um, well, there's a coaching
0: element. I mean, and, yeah, and as male yeah. teachers, I'm sure you have students that call you coach. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and there is, I, I'm, not, I'm not a coach, but there's an element of coaching, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you got to, you got to. Fix your angle. Fix mm-hmm. your grip. Fix all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff just for a drill.
1: Well, and what we do is so practical. Yeah, it's so utterly practical. There's, there's, so, and I, and I've noticed in the last few years, I have moved. I've been kind of steadily moving away from theory, at least with the Tech One classes, Sure. because it, it tends to make kids shut down. When I go deep into like, hey, we're going to talk about, right. Like, we'll do we'll do color theory and stuff like yeah. that. When it's practical and I can do practical, like we do the MM thing, yeah. we do Lighting and yeah. Um,
0: that's fun though. I mean, they yeah. they get a kick out of but that. But like yeah.
1: doing like the theater history and stuff. Now it's become just sort of a sort of a quick overview here and there that's sort of sprinkled throughout. Yes. Whereas I used to do like, hey, we're going to spend the first three weeks lecture doing, time. Yeah, yeah. Here's lecture yeah. time, and it just. I was I was getting bored like, yeah I was and like and last year it was I I, I was kind of at the beginning of the year in like middle of the first week I was like man I'm tired of listening to myself yeah. talk. yeah um,
0: do it um.
1: and so I've moved away from the theory at least the way that the theory is like i said i kind of sprinkle it in for more of the practical and i'm actually trying to next year get one of my tech one classes converted over to a um, to just a shop class yeah because there's a bunch of kids who they light up they come alive when you put a tool in their hands uh, or let them cut a piece of wood. Sure. Like they are. That's the most inve- and that's probably the most invested they're going to be all day long right. at school. Um, and then as soon as it's okay, here's a here's a handout about, you know, costume right. history. They're <clears throat> done. They might. You might so would well. you
0: would you make that class kind of a? They would do the scenery and the props and stuff like that. But no, no. Th- so it
1: would be a pure like we may we may incidentally work on some of that sure. stuff but it's it would be a pure okay day one we're learning all the shop safety sure week two we're going to start in on measuring and marking okay. we, and then we're going to learn every tool and then basically it would be a a carpentry class the way i've been talking with the counselors and and some of the people we might do it as a kate class yeah um they have a they actually have a cabinetry do you guys
0: already have a shop class here? No. Oh, okay. Well, no. that, that helps. It's like, not a carpentry, no woodwork. Yeah, we yeah, We have yeah.
1: a shop. We, we do have uh, metalworking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's under the robotics right. magnet that we have here. They have, they have a really nice shop. Um, and that's also sort of my ulterior motive is, like, if we can get that Kate class, it would open up a lot of funding for us to be able to upgrade sure. our existing space and equipment because we could show a... A need yeah player. there's
0: a yeah there becomes a tangible uh reason to do it uh, what are they working on now
1: so we're working on the set for our fall show we're doing an enemy of the people okay by arthur miller well it's the arthur miller adaptation yeah of the Ibsen play. i'm directing that one okay um which i'm kind of regretting because it's
0: that's the windows that i saw
1: windows and the floor yeah we're doing it's our so we our fall show is always black box okay black box small small space and then our Musical, spring musical will be okay what are you stage. guys doing uh, you're in town
0: oh, okay yeah
1: we actually our district is very very permissive like they we, let they trust us really well you
0: guys have P- Pierce's in this district yes. right? and so yeah. they
1: did the Heather's premiere yeah. Yeah. that's um, the same
0: the year after mm-hmm. is when we were trying to do it yeah
1: um, but like we've done Bat Boy. okay um, we did Legally Blonde last year, which is, yeah, and so it's kind of one of those, it's one of those things where it's just, you never know, I mean, last year for our, so we do a children's, so we have fall show, musical, UIL, we do a children's show, mm-hmm. um, all four of the schools in the district do a children's show every year where they bus in all the elementary kids from that feeder pattern, okay. um, and like last year we did uh, uh, Space Pandas, the uh, Mammoth okay. kid show. Um, I, I'm
0: not familiar with that, oh, but it's yeah. Great. okay, oh, it's great. Okay. Yeah,
1: David Mammoth wrote a kid show okay. about these space pandas that steal this kid. Built Do you think he
0: wrote it with curse words and then they just went in and, and <laughs> struck him out? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Anyway. They have
1: some creative, like, they have some creative uh, sort of, like, edits, things. that uh, yeah. feel very Mammoth, um, but the... Uh, we had like a parent get mad because the their kid came home and told them that one character was mean to another character uh, and they wrote yeah. a letter and so the mother wrote a letter to Dad, how the, dare you. the fine arts yeah, yeah like um, or like there was the set had the word like idiot on it with mm. an arrow pointing to a character that was yeah and like they a parent took pictures of it and posted it on a Facebook group. And uh, it, it, there was a minor, <coughs> you're a horrible minor, person. Yeah, yeah exactly. It yeah. was a minor. And so now we have to get our kids' shows approved. <laughs> sure. Okay. Which <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of just where, like, that's where we're at right yeah. now. Especially here in Texas. That's just kind of what well, we're
0: Well, did you we're see we're all this uh, this stuff about don't change the words, with uh, dramatist, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the dramatist thing? Mm-hmm. Um it's funny, you know, that stuff comes out, and uh, they're, they're just, you know, we in Texas, we have the UIL stuff, the one-act play, which we change all kinds of content, you know, and it's based on your community now.
1: recut the whole show. Like, yeah, they, I mean, the, the, like
0: I've even gotten into a conversation, I won't name these names right now, mm-hmm. but uh, actually one of them's been on this podcast. But the, she did a show that went to state versus a school that was right down the street from her, not in the same district, but close. Uh, That did the same show both shows were completely different stories Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. full-length shows that they cut down to 40 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. 39 30 and they were completely different stories the one director who didn't make it to state was a little upset with how the cut was done that made Mm -hmm. it to state because they didn't feel it was that story right Um, but who's to say you know that's that's the career we have now is you have to cut and decide well, and,
1: and UIL, I have so many problems with...
0: Yeah, because you didn't grow up in the UIL world, so that, was, uh, so... that
1: was the biggest shock to yeah. me, coming into public school, having never touched UIL once. Like, yeah. I had no do you one direct
0: to, your one-act play?
1: I do not. Okay. Uh, I have. Okay. I should say, we, so there's four of us in the you department. You kind of cycle through. There's, yeah, there's two theater teachers and two technical <coughs> theater teachers. Um, and we're technically two separate magnets. We have a theater magnet and a tech theater magnet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but yeah we cycle um, i've i've directed UIL twice i think in the last 5 years this is my first time directing one of the main stages okay um, which is great because it's not all the stupid restrictions right. in UIL yeah. and i just i feel like UIL has drifted into a place where in it's gotten so muddy right the, the i feel like the purpose has gotten so muddied by the the restrictions, and the restrictions all make sense, like, philosophically they make sense, like, yes, we want to level the playing field, because it's not about the set, and the lights, and the props, and the costumes, this is about students telling a story in the best way possible, Um, and... I feel like the changes, like when I came in, it was right before there was a raft of changes. Like I came in like the year before, there was a whole raft of changes that sort of loosened restrictions on some things, and then they've loosened more and more, Uh, and I like some of them, but it's just gotten so legalistic. And and the other thing with UIL is it's, and I, I don't know, it's kind of that that catch-22 of trying to judge art, like can you really objectively sure. judge art? Yeah. And, But at the same time, we're not judging art. That's not the point of UIL, mm-hmm. at least the mission statement claims that it's not about judging art, it's about giving students an opportunity to learn from professional feedback mm-hmm. in a setting where they get to, with a level playing field, present a piece of theater against other people who are also presenting pieces of theater that they've worked on. Um, and they're supposed to get supposed to get meaningful feedback, right. and so when you have feedback that which I'm, I know every single director has their stories, but and so you, everybody knows what I'm talking about. But like when you have a feedback form that comes back with, well, when I directed this show, yep. we did this and this, and you didn't yep. do that, and therefore I'm giving you a, <coughs> an eight. You yep. know, you get eighth place. It's just. Or like they're dinging people, they're dinging shows for design choices that none of the students had anything to do with Um, or directing choices, even like in my mind, you need to be, you should only be putting like professional director, either professional directors or professional actors into those judge roles if you're actually going to fulfill the mission, right? because they need to be able, you need people in there who can look past the design choices, who can look past the directing choices in some cases and watch the students. Because it's not about the teachers. It's not about us. The
0: assumption is is that you are cultivating and and grooming kids to move on into professional theater. Even though we know realistically they're not, like the majority of them are not going to, Mm -hmm. the idea is to have that professional that says, well, in this world, uh, where I come from as a professional actor director technician whatever designer this is how it's done um, yeah I see that you know there's an argument to be made uh, and I've talked with lots and lots and lots of people about this that one act play should just become staged readings and let the actors stand there uh, with a perform. script and perform And have no direction no scenery and that that'll never happen you know but but if they want the idea of let's remove all of the fluff um because there's there is a lot of and man as a lighting designer because that's my background i get lots of directors that say hey can you light this a little darker than usual because i just didn't put as much work into this this (laughs) dance or something like that you know which really isn't that feasible you're still going to see it but um but there is so much fluff that sometimes they put it on top of a show that is not that good, mm-hmm. but the show looks great um, and maybe sounds great, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not done really well from top to bottom. You don't have great actors, you don't have great direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have even chosen the wrong script. I just I had a conversation with my with the other director at my school, we have two, it's me and, and her, but uh, talking about the show I want to do for one-act play. And she said, we can't, we can't do this show. And I'm really gung-ho about it. I really want to do it. <laughs> Excuse me, um, but she finally said it doesn't sh- it doesn't showcase our kids. Right. It doesn't highlight our our mm-hmm. kids, the mm-hmm. kids that we have this year, yeah. uh, in three years maybe. And she's right; she's one hundred percent right. So we're back to the drawing board. Um, uh, but that's also I don't have a directing background, so I don't look mm-hmm. at the world mm-hmm. in that regard um, with that with those kind of lenses. Uh, nor have I ever really wanted to be a director. Every once in a while, when I find a show I like. I want to direct it because yeah. I just want it to be my baby. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. So with w- w- do you do you find, though, like, did you do anything in and yeah, I want to I want you to make sure you eat. Uh, did you do anything in your time in high school or even before that, that lent itself at all to one act play or to competitive theater at all?
1: So we did my friends and I would um we did I was for there I went through a period where I really wanted to go to film school um okay. and so my friends and I would compete in the 24-hour video race here okay. in Dallas. Uh we did that a couple of summers in a row. And we actually won I think the third year we did it we won for our category and got our little short film on PBS like it. 11, 15, cable TV, access, like like, yeah. <laughs> uh, well that's PBS, yeah, the local. Well, I know, but uh, but yeah, it's but local yeah, play, kind of thing. Played once on yeah t- television. We got to go see it at the. They had the screening at the Angelica. Oh, like for all those. Okay. So we got to go. Like they showed all the all the. We got our little five minute film on there. Um, so that that like having that background and being um like doing that sort of structured sure. competition helps um i'm a big i love i grew up playing a lot of board games and so like and like tabletop games sure. miniature, miniature games and so like rule books and and having to like not having a computer handle it for like you you're handling yeah. the rules like that was very much in my wheelhouse right like, so that part of it i was like oh so we're going to treat this like a game and basically we're going to try and figure out how to break the rules which everybody basically does is like yeah. how do i creatively bend the rules in the in the most Elaborate way, which theater really does lend itself to that because that's basically what your script is. If you think about it, I mean, a script is a rule book. It's like, here's, you have to do these things. Right. Everything else needs to be in service of that, um, but it's kind of up to you. Yeah. Like the the actual block, like, sure, they may have written in blocking, but you don't have to do it. Like, they may have written in a set description. You don't have to do it as long as it's in service of the show. And that's where I think. Mm That's something I try to push back against really hard, especially this early on, because that was one of the hard lessons I learned in college was, I remember working, it was my senior show, my, my senior thesis show, because um, I had discovered Ionesco and absurdism, mm-hmm. which is my, like, I just, I love the absurdists, all of them. Like That's my, oh, God, I love it so much.
0: It explains um, a little bit with your, and, and not that your set is absurdist, mm-hmm. but that it explains a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's always been, I, I, I call it like, Minimalist realism or like deconstructed realism, sure. where it's like I'm not going to build the whole room, but the pieces I do have, you can tell are what it is. Be yeah, like ultra detailed. Right. So like we're hand laying a wood floor in there. Right. Um, and that we're going to stain and seal. Right. And, and like to me, that's and that's I love black box spaces. The theater that I in college, our theater was a a little like 85 seat three quarter three quarter thrust okay. uh, sort of pseudo replica of the guthrie stage okay. um, that sort of that hexagonal fast yeah. stage and like the whole room was 25 feet right. 30 feet from side to side like our stage was like 10 by 10 and we did we did shakespeare we did right. like all this amazing and it, the energy in those it, when you're in a tight space yeah like, the, the intimacy of it. is just yep. fantastic sure um and so that's why i, I personally i hate <laughs> I hate doing the big like I'll do them. It allows you to do a lot of cool stuff, but doing the big proscenium shows. Yeah. We have a sixty foot proscenium. Uh, it's ridiculous. Right. And like and I just and the like the closest audience member is like twenty five feet away. Yeah. Uh, you don't even get a ten foot rule, you get a twenty five foot rule. Yeah. Like I mean we could we could print stuff off on a printer and just slap it up and people would be like, Wow, that's yeah. brick wall because they're so <laughs> freaking far away from the stage and it's I I get very little joy from that. Right. So I'll do it. It'll, it, it lets us do some really massive, cool stuff. Um, you know, flying in the whole house for legally blonde. Sure. Like, that was cool. It's a cool moment. Uh, I get no joy from it. Right. You know? And so if I'm going to if I'm going to condo my life, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take that proscenium and, yeah, and throw it away and go, I'd just live in the black box. Cause that's, yeah. I love that, that kind of space. Um, so much more. Uh, and, and it, I think it also forces for like students working in there, it forces, you have to be having attention to detail right. in order to be successful in a space like that. Uh, because the audience is right there and we're, we we do not want to take them out. Like yeah. you can, in a proscenium, you can sort of get it. Cause like a proscenium, if someone turns their head even slightly, they're in an auditorium, right? Like, but in a black box, you're in the space yeah. and it should feel like you're in the space. Yeah. We did, um, I think my favorite set we've done in there was we did uh, by the bog of cats, and we like laid like a bog floor. We laid grass pretty much <laughs> in the whole space, and we had creeping fog, like we had trailers wow. under the seating, and so it was misty and foggy the whole time. And we had the trailer in the corner of yeah. the house, and that's you know, a lot it was more fun. Like, from the yeah. time you entered the space, you were in. Yeah. We actually my the, my fellow tech director at the time uh, found an additive that was like bog.
0: For the smell, Scent, yeah. yeah.
1: For the for the fog, and so it had that peat, yeah. Sort of peaty. Uh,
0: Done that before with blood for okay. a haunted house that I did yeah. years ago. Yeah, we yeah. did we did a blood smell. It was nice. disgusting. But I <laughs> um, uh, want to ask you a couple more things. Um, well, first of all, the, the one because I, I agree the, the black boxes are, in my opinion, the best mm-hmm. type of, of space the only the one negative that i've found with students and you can give me an amen or you could disagree (laughs) i don't know but uh is vocal work Mm -hmm. so when they transfer over to because we do all of our same thing we do all of our fall shows in the black box we do all of our spring shows practically in the you know we do some student produced stuff back in the black box but um the musical of course and one-act play are both in proscenium spaces and we end up having vocal issues because they've just spent the last four or five months in this intimate space mm-hmm. where they can talk like you and I are talking mm-hmm. right now and then when they get into this 1100 seat space mm-hmm. they can't get to that last row right um, that's maybe the one negative but I, I get the I get the lack of sort of I guess uh, gratitude or uh, gratification not gratitude mm-hmm. gratification behind um,
1: See, you I, know, doing a space like that I kind of come down on the I guess kind of the opposite side of that in that I think uh, personally I don't I don't think we should be putting high school students on stage on big prosceniums mm-hmm. period okay um because where they're at developmentally you have kids who literally can't project that right. I mean their voices are literally still developing yeah. and settling um, 99% of them have no actual vocal training yeah uh and so like i that's why part in high school especially that's why i love not the only reason but huge part of why i love the black box space so much is because a kid that they don't have to focus on it's a
0: step to their development yeah sure they can focus
1: on being intimate being being focus on the emotion and the the rawness without having to also project and then and that's why i'll when i do black box i'm always going to do a thrust stage because they also don't need to be trying to turn out right right and constant like i want to take away because of where they're at developmentally learning this craft i want to take away as many of the impediments as possible so that they can just focus on the core stuff Um, and and then you know so okay so now you've done your you know it's your junior senior year maybe you've actually like been in choir now and like yeah and yeah we're always going to have those choir kids who can actually belt because they've had that training they've been doing choir since middle school they've been in a class every single day where they've been learning how to support their voice and that's something that uh i don't know i know there there are teachers out there who are great at that who actually have a background in like teaching voice properly and they spend the time with their students doing it in theater classes and then yeah, if you've got that background and the foundation, yeah. they've done that. Throw them on the stage, make them project. Um, but that's one of my big problems with also with UIL is they try to level the playing field and what you can put on stage, but they don't do anything to level the stage itself. Right. And like sort of, and so I mean yeah, you put the judges six rows back, and then it's kind of, but like every space is yeah. different. Six rows is not the same in every <coughs> space. Six rows no. in our space, they're. 30 feet 40 yeah. feet from the stage whereas six rows from the Patty Granville Center in Garland yeah. where we actually do UIL six rows back is only 15 feet right. from the stage um, and so when you have kids who maybe all they've got is a cafetorium they don't know what their voices sound mm-hmm. like in when they actually hit these other levels mm-hmm. and so it's like I personally I think UIL should be a black box thing and it should be more of a festival yeah. and you should it should be like band UIL where you get ranked but it's not a First, second, third. It's like, okay, everybody who got ones gets to advance. Right. Uh, Which, I mean, yes, great. There's all the logistical issues with that. Minor wisdom.